Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio, episode 78 of Game Talk Radio to be exact. And uh, I'm Greg as always, and today we've got a couple of little topics we're going to hit. But the first one we want to get into is we're going to talk about the cross-play issue with Sony. We covered this before, um, but we're going to go into it again, talking a little bit more about what's going on. Um, It came up again as a... Fortnite was recently released on the Nintendo Switch, and uh, and people, as they went to log into their Epic accounts to play the game on the Switch, they were denied that ability. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about Octopath Traveler, which is a new game coming for the Switch. It's a new RPG that looks just incredible, and how they recently came out with, a, with quite the bold statement saying, we won't be selling any DLC because, gasp, we're releasing a finished product. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the announcement that uh, they have officially decided, Blizzard has decided that the World of Warcraft Classic that's coming out is going to end at patch, or uh, it will be at patch 1.12. So this is kind of interesting because we'll go over all the patch notes and take like a snapshot of what it was like at that time to... Uh, to have been playing World of Warcraft. Uh, And again, really quickly, everyone, if you're listening to this on iTunes or on SoundCloud, you can follow us on YouTube where the drop rate, I just look for youtube.com slash the drop rate, or you can um, watch us on Twitch, right? Twitch TV slash the drop rate. And definitely check us out and subscribe if you can, if you like what you're doing. If you're watching this on YouTube, of course, you can always follow us on iTunes and on SoundCloud if you want to listen to us in just like a traditional podcast form and not cut up into uh, into videos. Um, oh, and I already got to close that out. <laughs> that's, that's how we're going to start the show with a Facebook ding. Um, so, okay. So the first thing we want to talk about today is the cross-play issue with... Sony. So we're going to talk about, let's see here, get the right one up. So this, this, uh, you know, I don't like this headline because it's so annoying how, how Polygon is so biased. Um, but anyway, uh, so what we want to do is we want to talk about crossplay. So with the, um, okay, let me, let me back this up again. Just make this a little bit easier for the podcast, uh, for the, for the videos on YouTube. Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about is the backwards compatible. <laughs> Jesus, I'm really struggling here. Okay, so now what's really funny is people listening to the podcast in audio form. I'm basically doing a hot reset for the video I'm going to put up later on YouTube. So you guys are just like seeing an outtake basically right now. So I'm, I apologize for that. This is uh, really, really embarrassing. So, um, <laughs> but so let's see here. Let me get to the right. Let me get to the right screen here first. All right. Um, okay, <laughs> here we go. We're going to reset this again. So the first thing we want to talk about today on the podcast was the blocking of crossplay on uh, between Sony and the other consoles. So this has been an issue for a while. So ever since... PlayStation has been uh, ahead this generation, their stance has changed on crossplay. Now, to be totally honest and fair about everything, I am, like I always say, more of a Sony person. I prefer their console over Microsoft. I've been a Sony guy since the PlayStation 1. However, this is why you can't be completely loyal to any brand, because you have to be able to call them out when they do something that you find obnoxious. But what we're going to do here is we're going to lay out all the facts, we're going to explain everything, and then we'll kind of try to understand why they're doing it. And now, does that make it justified if it's anti-consumer? 
from their perspective, sure. But from our perspective as consumers, we should never feel that uh, that what they're doing is OK if it doesn't benefit us. Right. So to start off, uh, the, basically, the story was after at, at, at E3 last week, uh, Nintendo dropped an epic dropped Fortnite on the Switch uh, the day that they announced it was coming. Super cool announcement. Everyone starts playing it. Right out of the gate, everybody understands you're not going to be able to play the Switch version of Fortnite with PS4 players and vice versa. Like, we knew that because you can't play the Xbox One version of Fortnite with PS4 players. Um, so we knew that was coming. That was no surprise. However, what was surprising was that if you had already linked your Epic account on PS4, when you tried to log into that account on Switch, it just wouldn't let you. So even if you can't play with other people, they don't want crossplay, you couldn't access your Epic account to keep the things you might have gotten by purchasing loot crates and stuff like that. So all the items that you may have invested real world money into, you can't carry over into that game. Now I do find that a little bit obnoxious because this isn't this isn't crossplay. This isn't you know, what Sony's excuse has been is that they want to, in the past, they've said they can't control the experience that a PlayStation user has if they're playing with people like on Xbox and Switch because they can't stop those people from playing. Say, for instance, they're harassing them. Sony can't ban someone on Xbox Live. So that makes total sense. Uh, however, this was a little bit uh, different because this this has to do with the account. This has nothing to do with the control over the experience of the user, except for the fact that you're making it a less fun experience. So that's what kind of started the 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 Fortnite. We're getting you know the, the cross play uh, upheaval and upset. Uh, people were coming from was because this was technically kind of a new thing. You know, you always, uh, well, that's what we'll talk about. Was it actually a new thing? Because people feel like if it's a third party service like Epic, you should still be able to log into Epic and keep your stuff. Now, I remember, because here's what you have to know too Sony is cross play with PC, Android, and iOS. And same like the Xbox is, is cross play with those and the Switch. So the only real thing that Sony is preventing here is cross-play with Microsoft and with Nintendo. Now, again, the question is, you know, is that anti-consumer? Yes, it is, unfortunately. Now, does Sony have a good reason for doing that? Yes, they do. And as we often talk about on this show, when we talk about business decisions, it often comes down to money you know, money, what does this cost versus what does this cost? Uh, are we going to lose customers because of the decision and lose some public credibility? Yes. How much money would we lose if we made cross-play available and people started shifting to other systems? So that's kind of where, you know, that that's the calculation that that company is going to make. And so I remember uh, downloading Smite on PS4 and Xbox One, and I remember only having so much time to be able to log in so that I would carry over my statistics and my account from my PC version, which was really unfortunate because I missed that deadline, which I didn't I didn't realize it at first and I wasn't paying attention because I thought I would log in. I'd have the God Pass, which I already bought on PC. I'd have the God Pass. I'd have all my stats from like my 10,000 kills I have with Anubis and like all my wins like I thought I'd have all that and I didn't get to keep any of that stuff not that I needed it except in the sense that I didn't want to pay for the pass again you know like I, I didn't want to have to buy the game essentially again now that was also between PC and console so that was a little different story and I don't know if it's changed now like if you can merge your accounts or something I I really have no idea and I also don't know if it works the same way if I had merged my account on PS4 and had all my stuff, if I went to log in on it on Xbox, it may not have allowed me to. Um, 
based on the same thing that Sony's handling here. So the first question is, is it anti-consumer? Yes, I, I absolutely think it is. Is this a bad move for Sony to do? Well, I guess it depends on your perspective, right? So let's take a look at the first opportunity. The let's let's say first, is it a bad move? Is it a bad PR move? Yes, uh, it makes them look bad. It's been in the news cycle for about a week. People complaining about it. I'm doing a video on it here um, for all hundreds of you <laughs> that are going to watch this. Um, and, uh, you know, so there is there is bad PR there. Like there's no denying that. But we have to look at if, if for the second part of it, which is it bad long term for Sony. We have to kind of look at the entire thing. Like we have to look at what they're actually doing. So what they're actually doing is they're keeping people in the Sony loop of and the Sony home of products and they're trying to keep people out of the products of Microsoft and Nintendo now to be fair I think you could argue that PlayStation 4 and Xbox are very big competitors but I can't see the switch really being a PS4 competitor and I wish that and I wish that Sony wouldn't treat them as such I wish they could work that out but again it's a console as far as Sony's concerned and that's what they've decided to do plus I don't think really since the people are so different now, but you can't help but wonder if there's still a little bit of bad blood <laughs> between uh, Sony and Nintendo from way back in the day, uh, and they've been duking it out for the better part of, you know, 30 years. So, you know, it, it, it's possible there's still some bad blood there, but really it comes down to a, a smart business decision, a uh, business decision, excuse me. Sony is trying to keep people in their system loop. So, now, what's also very important to note is that Sony is winning this console generation in, pharma, in, in the form of total user base. Sony has more users than the other two competitors, so it's in their best interest, where if, say, they have people that own a PS4 and own Fortnite, it's in their best interest not to cross-play with other consoles because they want the majority of people play the game on their system. So when they want newcomers coming to the game, they want those newcomers to adopt the PlayStation brand not to be able to play it on a competing brand. So again, is it anti-consumer? Yes. And is it really frustrating from a gamer perspective? Absolutely. But is it a business decision that actually makes sense? Yes, unfortunately. And and that's going to be the decision they make up until, financially speaking, it would be less financially viable to do that over taking care of your customers. Now, that can be caused by us obviously having things like, like us coming back and us you know, having an uproar towards towards these practices and such, but it's going to take a lot for that to diminish for the vocal minority that's upset with crossplay being missing to diminish the effect it'll have on long-term sales for the PlayStation brand. So that's really why they're doing it. Um, and, and there were a lot of other questions, you know, initially I thought for a long time and I've, I've weaned off of this excuse now, but uh, I thought for a long time that Sony was still a little sketched out by the hack that they had on the PS3 when PlayStation Network went down for like a month. It was terrible. And it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of their policies are still to protect themselves in the online source, uh, in the online um, space, because they understand the how damaging it can be for them. Like they understand the what can happen if you let your network get out of control, you know. And I thought that for a long time, but as more and more things come out, like it makes more sense to me now from a business perspective why they would do this. If it was last generation, early on when the PlayStation Three was struggling, they were willing to go out of their way to do cross play and things like that. You can go all the way back. In fact, here's a list of uh, that I looked up on on uh, Wikipedia about games that support cross. Platform play. So if you look down in this discontinued list, we've got Final Fantasy XI, 
it was on the 360, the PC, and the PS2. So this was totally cross-playable between 360, PS2, and PC. I mean, that's that's incredible. All because it was hosted on Square Enix's servers and because they had like one account and you would log in through your console through the client onto their servers. And so it's not impossible. Like this is a this is a thing. I mean, this this has happened in the past before. Now, as we get up here, you'll notice that nothing else anymore seems to be that way. And I even have a quote because this was something that I found this thread from last year, actually, when it was really big again, that PS4 was not allowing crossplay on like Rocket League and stuff like that. Because it seems what's also funny about this is it seems like this really comes up when it's people buying a Switch version of a game. As soon as the Switch version comes out, then all of a sudden this blocked crossplay seems to come back up again. Uh, not that they're not justified in being upset. It's just, I mean, it's just weird to me that it always comes up when it has to do with the Switch. Like, Xbox people aren't complaining that they can't play with PS4 people for the most part, but it's always the Switch people complaining that they can't play with PS4 um, or vice versa. Now, this, again, was a little bit different with Fortnite because you had people locked out of their account and they couldn't play it on another console, which if they hadn't linked it to the PS4, they could have linked it to Xbox and Switch. So that is definitely, again, irritating and it's anti-consumer. So uh, this person had made, had made a comment about... Uh, um, he had a quote from an old article on Kotaku in uh, 2011, I think it was, uh, which is basically as cool as the sneak peek was Tryon. Now, this was the makers of the game Defiance. So Defiance was kind of like it was an MMO, but it was an action MMO that was similar, I guess I would say to Borderlands, except it was third person and it looked realistic as opposed to looking cell shaded. Um, he said, quote, Microsoft won't let Sony's play Sony players play against them before suggesting that they change the topic to something less sensitive. Presumably the barrier is a corporate and or technical incompatibility between the Xbox 360's Xbox Live and Sony PS3 slash PSP PlayStation Network. Those services are separate enough that people who play, say, Call of Duty on one can't play the game against owners on the other rival console. So again, this was uh, from a long, long time ago with the game Defiance, where basically the point is when... Microsoft was ahead in the generation, they were okay with blocking crossplay. Again, because it was a smart move. When you have the install base, it doesn't make sense for you to give concessions that will allow people to be happy with picking a different product. When you're in the position of power, that's where you make these decisions from, and that's what Sony's doing. And again, for like the 500th time, is that is that consumer friendly? No, and it sucks, but that is the reason. So we have to understand the reason before we can criticize why they're doing it. And you could argue, like, would PlayStation 4 get more sales if they were cross-play? I don't think I could make that argument. I really don't. I think that if all your friends have a PS4 and you have an Xbox One and you want to play Fortnite together, you're going to go buy a PS4 since they can't cross-play. If you can cross-play, you're not going to buy that PS4. End of story. That's just how it goes. Um, so now that we understand what's going on, I wanted to talk a little bit about the response. So, again, this is Polygon. They, uh, they're, they're, they're not the biggest fans of Sony. Uh, so, <laughs> they, you know, their headline, Sony's response to Fortnite is embarrassing. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but let's take a read here. This is what Sony said when asked about the Fortnite crossplay. Quote, we're always open to hearing what the PlayStation community is interested in to enhance their gaming experience. With more than 80 million monthly active users on PlayStation Network, we've built a huge community of gamers who can play Fortnite or can play together on Fortnite and all online titles. What's missing so far, uh, excuse me, that's the end quote. 
quote, we also offer Fortnite crossplay support with PC, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, expanding the opportunity for Fortnite fans on PS4 to play with even more gamers on other platforms. We have nothing further to add beyond this point. End quote. So what I would say is that uh what i would say is that that is the most corporate response i've ever heard i mean that's about as corporate as it gets first you you brag about how you don't need cross play everybody because look at you have 80 million people who could possibly play with you which is that fair yes um you don't need cross play to be able to fill your servers but you do need cross play if you want to play with your friends which is what people want to do um so but anyway, so that is, you know, that was their response. And it was basically saying, you know, we're always listening to our fans, but, you know, as a way to kind of placate them, obviously they're not listening in this case or they would uh, lighten up on that rule. But again, it's a business decision. So that's what Sony had to say about it. Now, uh, a very interesting thing later was a former head of Sony Online Entertainment, Joe Smedley. Now, he used to be the the head of Daybreak when they got bought and pulled away from Sony. So uh, he, he uh, tweeted, quote, if we keep up the pressure, the problem goes away, end quote. And he said, by the way, when I was at Sony, the stated reason internally for this was money. They didn't like someone buying something on an Xbox and it being used on a PlayStation. Simple as that, dumb reason, but there it is, end quote. So uh, that's... Uh, um, that's Joe Smedley, who was in the industry a lot. I've actually, I followed a lot of his dev blogs when he was working on H1Z1 and I, I like him a lot. I think he's a real straight shooter and I, I think he's an honest guy and I, I like his, uh, response to what they said there. And I think it's accurate. You know, I think that's fair to say that it's a business decision based on money. You want to sell more consoles, which again, just as a reminder, it is something that Microsoft did also when they were in position of power and rightfully so they kept people from buying the competitor's brand. And as much as it sucks, like I would love that no matter what system you bought, you could play online with your friends. So it wouldn't matter. I, I wish, you know, and I'm the first one to say that I really wish we'd get to a point in, I really wish we'd get to a point in the world where you know, with everything online was just one consistent brand, you know, like, like for instance, when you play on steam, steam is that, that brand together, even though I might play on a computer that has an Intel processor. Like, could you imagine that if, if when I was playing on PC, I could only play with people using Nvidia cards. I couldn't play with people using, you know, uh, other brands. It, it just, that'd be silly. Right. But you know, we should have evolved out of this and I hope one day that we will. And maybe one day when it's closer uh, system wise, we might, but we'll have to see, you know, Microsoft really has no point for a, well, let me, you know, let me get to the quotes first, because I, I kind of need to go along with that to kind of make my comments about three, uh, Microsoft stance on this. So, um, this is what, uh, uh, this is what Phil Spencer had to say about it. <clears throat> um, quote, if you bought your son, your child an Xbox, and I bought my child a PlayStation, and I'm just a parent for their birthday, whatever, and the kids want to go play Fortnite, and then all of a sudden go home and can't play with each other, it doesn't feel like it helps the consumers. If it doesn't help the developers and it doesn't help the consumer, then it doesn't feel like it helps to grow gaming to me. However, he added that he's not going to judge anyone else making their decisions because they've got to run their business, end quote. Then uh, uh, Polygon spoke to uh, Reggie Fizeme, who is the COO of Nintendo America, and he said, quote, you have the other platform holders, and what 
it is that they do. He added, when it comes to other platform holders, as much as you have influence on other platform holders, I don't. And that's a decision that each of them are making. And some are supporting crossplay and some are not, end quote. So first, just to talk about Reggie fils for a second and Nintendo there. That was the most, I don't want to piss anyone off statement I've ever made. Like he basically was just stating the facts that, Yes, um, it's a decision that's up to them. Some are doing it and some are not. He had no opinion whatsoever on the matter. He didn't say it's it's bad, it's not good. He just he just said that it's a thing and it happens. We're like, okay, cool, Reggie, thanks for the insight there. Um, now, Phil Spencer obviously went a little bit more into it and he criticized saying things like, if it doesn't help the developers and it doesn't help the consumer, then it doesn't feel like it's growing gaming to me. Um, so he's not wrong. It would help the developers and it would help the consumers it just doesn't help the console manufacturers i guess the ones who are interested in keeping people in their circle of friends obviously with multi-platform games it's important that the developers sell as many copies as possible but for the console makers it's important for them to sell as many of their own console as possible so now that you've kind of heard Microsoft, one thing, and, and I, I will say this obviously first, Phil Spencer has been doing an excellent job trying to turn around the Xbox brand. He inherited essentially a sinking ship that had a very failed launch. It had, you know, there was a time when Microsoft was considering getting rid of the Xbox brand entirely, going just back to PC or having like a home box that would stream your PC games. Like they were going to get out of the, the quote unquote console market. And, and so Phil Spencer has really done his best, I think, to try to turn this ship around and to get more of a focus on the gaming aspect of the Xbox. And so this wasn't him that was originally doing this, but we have to look back at, at Xbox 360. Like I said earlier, we had the quote about how Tryon said that Microsoft would not allow them to cross play with PS3 because Microsoft was ahead and they didn't want to let PlayStation catch up by offering services. Um, you also had, like, for instance, the original Xbox, and people tout this now because you can look back, but the original Xbox only came with an Ethernet port. It didn't have a dial-up port. And there was a, a quote, I can't, I couldn't find it when I was looking for it for the show today, but there was an old quote I read a long time ago that said, it was someone at Microsoft saying, we want to pull people into the future, whether we have to do it with them kicking or screaming or not, kicking and screaming or not. So what they were trying to say is we're going to push forward, like we're going to make things revolutionary, but we're going to pull it ahead at our own pace. And we're going we're gonna to dictate that, not the customer. We're going to tell you what you want. You're not gonna, we're not going to do what you tell us you want, basically. And they were kind of arrogant with that. So going into the 360 era, though, that arrogance was well-deserved. The 360 was a great system. It had a great launch. It focused on games, shocker, and it was just really, really doing well. Um, and then when the Xbox One was launching, Microsoft was really high on their horse, and they and and, and and rightfully so, as they had a successful console in the 360. And then you had certain people, and again, this wasn't Phil Spencer, and so it isn't his fault that someone who used to be at Xbox said this, but it was uh, Don Mat Matrix, I think, Dan Matrix, maybe? Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he it was quoted to say, since the Xbox had to always be on, you know, in the early days, the Microsoft Xbox One always had to be online. And he's D Dan Maddox, Matra, I can't think of his name, damn it. But he would say, he flat out said, well, you know, if, if you want to have a product that isn't online all the time and whatever, we have a product for you. And that's called the Xbox 360. And he was really snooty about it. Like, if you don't want to go online, then you don't deserve to have our product. That was basically like the premise of his comment. And it was just absolutely asinine thing to say. Just as asinine as Sony when the PlayStation 3 launched and they said, you know, hey, it's 600 bucks. And then someone said, how are people going to afford that? And he said, well, if you need a second job, go get one. You're going to want to get this device. Now that seems a little less abrasive to me because I think that was more in jest. But 
this other quote from Microsoft, like that was straight up their mentality was, look, if you don't want to deal with what we've got, which is always online, no used games, you know, DR, physical DRM built into our consoles, then go play the Xbox 360. It's almost saying like, we don't want you as customers. Well, we saw how that worked out for Microsoft in the beginning. They lost a huge market share. One, and it's, it's amazing to me how they flipped because they made the exact same mistakes that Sony made with the PS3 early on. They made it too expensive. It was more expensive than the competitor. It wasn't as full featured and it didn't have the games that, they, that, that people would want. Uh, even though I would argue that the Xbox One had the best launch title out of the two with Dead Rising 3. I think that game was incredible. Um, and launch titles are always sketch. Um, anyway, but PlayStation 4 had some just terrible launch titles. Um, and, and so this is kind of how it was in the Xbox One era. Again, they were trying to pull us into the future kicking and screaming. And people bucked against that trend. People bucked against the always online which if you don't know, if you don't have an Xbox One, you still have to be online to initially set it up, which is a pain for a lot of people, especially around here. We live in a very like rural area here and there are still people here who don't have internet and it happens quite often um, where someone will come in and we actually have to set them up at the store, get their Xbox Live user thing just so they can get through the check-in, turn the system offline and then give it back to them so they can play their games. I mean, it seems crazy, right? You know, but it's just, it's, it's how they decide to do it. So there is definitely a, a, an arrogance attached to a lot of these decisions as well, because if you're a market leader, you're going to make decisions based on the fact that you think you've been successful because of your decisions. And I think it's, it's always been like an ebb and flow. Like you're going to, you're going to make these bad decisions until you find out that they're bad from consumer backlash, and then you will fix them. And then you'll keep going because people love you. And then you'll make another mistake. So again, you know, getting back to kind of the final point about this, it should be that you don't have blind loyalty to anything, quite frankly, but especially consumer brands. There's no reason to be loyal to PlayStation. Like if PlayStation came out tomorrow and said, you know, we're going to start charging double for, for PlayStation Plus because we just feel like it's worth it. Like you have to be able to, and me as a Sony fan would have to be able to say like, that's crazy. I will not pay double and I won't go online with any of your games until you remove the, you know, take the price back. Um, but that's not how it went. Now, you could make an argument that when the PS4 started, they were adding that paid service. Um, but I would say to that, that they increased their service, not just with the plus, they added the benefit there. They did stabilize their servers and they added a bunch of other features. So I was okay with paying a yearly fee to go online with a console if there's extra added stuff. Obviously, it's still silly compared to a PC that you don't have to pay for that sort of stuff. But it's just how the console market skewed off, sadly. Um, but yeah, so so really the question is, so here's all the data surrounding it. And then really the question is, is it good for us as gamers? No. And and it, it makes me mad because I wish that we could get past all this because I don't think Sony needs to pull tricks like this to hold their market share. If you have the better games, like I think Sony does, and you have uh, the, better, the better services, the better online deals with getting free games, if you have all these things, people will still go to your system. You know, and yeah, well, you miss out on a couple sales because someone doesn't have to buy a PlayStation to play with their friends, maybe. But again, it's the cost versus cost when it comes to losing your customers versus losing sales, you know. Uh, but that's Sony. Uh, it's not right, and they won't ever fix it. I don't think they'll change it this generation for sure. Maybe it's something they'll build into the next generation of consoles. Like, they'll have a, a fail-safe so that they can do that or allow that from the get-go. But I really hope that Sony doesn't keep up this level of arrogance when it comes to their customers because eventually they'll find themselves in the situation they had when the PS3 launched. And that's not good for them, and it's certainly not good for us as customers. 
Uh, so moving on, this is a really, really short story. Um, but we have, let's see here, we have Octopath Traveler. So this, this is going to be really cool. I, I'm really excited to play this game. There is a demo out, which I have avoided, because I want to play the full game as it is. It is a Square Enix RPG for the Switch. It, it just looks incredible graphically and kind of see from the picture here. This art style is awesome. Uh, it's got this kind of like it, it's 3D, but it's got this like sprite textured look, which I think is just brilliant, just beautiful. Um, uh, and so they made an announcement, though, which was just this quirky little kind of throwaway line. Um, they were talking about it. Uh, the uh, producer Masashi Takahashi, uh, he Plainly in Japanese outlet Dengenki Online, he explained that there won't be any DLC. Quote, the product version is the finished product, end quote. I mean, I'm blown away by this because I can't remember the last time a game came out and actually said, hey, you don't need to have DLC because it's a finished game. Even Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is a completely finished game, in my opinion, from start to finish, had DLC later. And they even, they even charged for it, which is something Nintendo doesn't normally do. This game, though, not having DLC, having a single story, you go through the game, you beat it, and you're done. I mean, that's that's awesome to me. And what sucks about DLC is I love the idea of it, right? I love the idea of a game being finished, and then it's a game you love, and then magically, hey, if you want to pay 20 bucks, you can have a bunch more fun with that old game with new stuff to do. It always seemed like in any game you ever beat, like Final Fantasy VII, when I beat that, I didn't want to beat it. I wanted to find more secrets and I'd beaten every boss. I beat Ruby weapon. I, I found the sunken Shinra submarine and I did everything, you know, and I, I, I wanted, I wanted more. Um, now though, I find myself as I play a game, they release DLC, even something like dark souls three, which is a game I love to put 70, 80 hours into. I didn't play the DLC. I, I just, it, it, it's almost like when I'm done with the game now, I want to be done with it to move on. Maybe it's because we have more options. Back when I bought Final Fantasy VII, it was like the only game I was playing. So of course I wanted more of it. Now it's like, by the time I finish a game, it's like, I got to get to the next one. If I want to have a chance of even getting caught up on that year's release, let alone previous year's releases. Um, and, and so that's an interesting take, but how incredible that it just comes right out and says it. This is a finished product. You don't need DLC. And it's just... I think it's going to be great. Uh, I hope the game's really good. Uh, Look-wise, it's incredible. It's a classic RPG. They've been having a lot of luck with uh, I Am Setsuna and Lost Sphere by the Tokyo RPG Factory. And then this is Square Enix and Acquire uh, releasing this game, and it just looks great. So I, I, don't, I didn't play the demo. I heard the demo was kind of okay, but then people from E3 were saying the full game was much better. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that all works out. But, man, I mean... It, what a novel idea, right? Like it sounds so stupid, but how great is that to, to get, have just to have a company just to say, you know, we're not doing DLC and it's not planned from the beginning. It's not, Oh, three months after launch, we'll have DLC. Like it's just, they made the game they wanted to make. They finished it and they put it out. I mean, technically dark souls one was the same way. It's just that certain content was cut from the game. The Artorias DLC was actually cut content. It wasn't, it wasn't held back. It wasn't made later for DLC. It was content. They couldn't finish in time for the game release. Then they finished it and released as DLC later, which again, I didn't really like that idea, but it was still cool that, again, that was a game I was ready to have more of though, as I'm playing it again now on the uh, PlayStation 4 with the remastered edition. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was, it was very, it was just very refreshing to hear that a company is going to make a game, finish it, and not charge us extra money later for the rest of the game. 
And then lastly, let's see here. I want to talk about, let me back these all. Let me get these, let me clean these out a little bit here. And so lastly then, I want to talk about the World of Warcraft Classic. So if you don't know what this is, um, last year or early this year, I don't remember, Blizzard announced that it was going to make classic servers so they're going to call it world of warcraft classic it's not going to include any expansion packs and they just recently announced it's going to stop at patch 1.12 now there is something in the games as they get updated and patched especially online games that they call quality of life um adjustments which means they make things easier and less frustrating world of warcraft has made many quality of life adjustments just like the new monster hunter did i don't know if i could go back and play old monster hunter games because the new one streamlined everything. It made everything so simple from gathering and tracking monsters. All this stuff was really easy. But World of Warcraft did very similar things. So after playing all the way through Legion, I have to ask myself, am I going to want to play a version of World of Warcraft that was from probably... Because the game came out in 2004, but uh, let's see. So I went to the Wikipedia page for the update because I, I wanted to know, like, get that snapshot in time. So it says... Um, I was hoping... Okay, so it released in August 22nd of 2006. So that's so this was two years after... J just under two years after WoW launched. And this was 1.12, and it was the patch was called the Drums of War. So here's a little breakdown of what they added. The big things, right? World of Warcraft client patch, Drums of War. It added Battlegrounds. So I remember when this patch dropped. In fact, this really bummed me out because uh, my guild and I, we used to do real-world PvP all the time. We would go out to a town, we would go to a PvP area, and we would gank lobbies until the, the high-level people came out, and then we would fight them in the towns, and uh, we would try to take over their towns. We would go kill um, leaders, like we'd go kill like Tarandi Whisperwind, and we would... Uh, we would like raid Ironforge and Stormwind. Like this was a fun event for us. Well, unfortunately, all the world PvP on a PvP server died when it came when the battlegrounds came out because then there was a place for people who just wanted to like get their kill on. There were a place for them to go, and so the world PvP died essentially that day. And so that made me really sad. And I remember that as being like a big turning point for the game because it was such a dynamic. When I started playing WoW on the Asgalore server, we were Horde, and Horde was outnumbered by Alliance 3 to 1. So when when you'd play, you'd be out questing, you never saw an Alliance person by himself, ever, ever. You'd always see a Paladin, a Paladin, a Rogue, and you'd get ganked and you'd get killed. I loved it because it taught me to be a better player. I was expecting and I was waiting for... I was waiting for... Um, you know, to get, to get murdered on. So you, you always had your head on a swivel, you know, you would, uh, you would learn how to fight in that situation. It actually helped me in my battlegrounds and arena later because I knew how to fight and I knew how to PVP, uh, I think stronger than an Alliance player who was three on one, because I will tell you if I ran ever ran into an Alliance player who was one on one, I would put him in the dirt, plain and simple. So, but it was a turning point for the game for us. And, and so they, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, surprise me that they picked this point in time to uh to, to snatch the game because it was such a huge update for them so two years this was um this was pretty much the last big patch i think before burning crusade came out i think it must have been because burning crusade would have come out two years after the original launch so you know this was basically the preparation for uh for that um or, or the kind of the last big patch before that which makes total sense because that's as, as far deep as classic as you could go. So here were some of the things we did. So they added the cross-realm battlegrounds. Um, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so hold on. Actually, I'm wrong. This was... Uh, it says you could face off players from... 
oh yeah from other realms that's right so like like our server like asgalore we would team up and fight players from like storm reaver and stuff like that that's what it was uh, i do remember that um and so you know here's just a bunch of class breakdowns i don't really need to go through all of this sort of stuff um but I wanted to get down to some of the bug fixes and some of the world environment stuff. So, um, uh, okay, so bug fix it. Fix the bug that caused some non-combat pets to refer to as minions instead of pets. Mini Diablo, however, has escaped its fate and will continue to be referred to as a minion. That's pretty funny. Um, and just a lot of little stuff. Um, if a hunter is unflagged for PvP, an enemy faction rogue won't be able to disarm his trap. Uh, you know, it's kind of like this weird snapshot of things that you almost forgot um like this one the grand widow uh fairland's reign of fire no longer damages players outside of the area of effect like why would it ever have um um players can no longer drop from combat by repeatedly placing their pet into passive mode i didn't even know that was a thing and a lot of the times you'd read these 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 patch notes and you would say things like well i didn't even know i could do that until they fixed it which sucks because it would have been nice to abuse these things before they patched them um world environment city neutral guards are now able to see through the rogue vanish ability so this was like rogues couldn't just gank someone vanish and then run away like the guards were like nope you're toast uh for places like uh uh gadget stand and um booty bay like you know if they were a neutral guard the rogues could just gank you vanish and then be fine um Silithus, tortured druids and sentinels will now carry only one hive ashi drone on death. Um, they added some max support for control, uh, added support for controlling iTunes from within World of Warcraft. You can now bind a set of keys for play, pause, next track. That's, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's really cool. Um, uh, so yeah, so they talked about some of the world PvP system. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. So now I have, now I have to go back because now I'm thinking that Battlegrounds was already out but that this was the one... See, this says, for the first time in the history of World of Warcraft, you will be able to face off against players from other realms in the Battlegrounds. See, I think the way it was before was you could... Uh, yeah, it said cross-realm battle. So you could do Battlegrounds before this. So I was wrong. This wasn't uh, This wasn't the very first time they added Battlegrounds. This is when they added cross-realms. So it, it added the ability to play against other other realms. Um, so And then they added the outdoor PvP for Silithus and Eastern Plaguelands. So, man, that is, uh, that, that is, that is a blast from the past. Uh, I, I still am not sure if I'm going to play this or not. I made a Facebook group, um, when I, when I played Final Fantasy XI, which was my first major MMO, I was part of a Link Shell, which is like a guild in that game, and I really had fun time playing it, but I always wanted more. I wanted to, like, be an officer. I wanted to help people, and I remember getting snubbed for the, for the officer promotion, and my brother and I, my younger brother and I were like, you know what, that sucks, and my younger brother was like, yeah, you should have got it. I don't know why you didn't. And I was like, man, this sucks. And we ended up quitting that game. And then later we, uh, we, we started playing world of Warcraft. We decided, you know what, in this game, we're going to make our own guild and we're going to invite people that we want into it. And we're going to run it the way we think it should be run. We're not going to be anyone else's pawns in their guild. And, and we did. And it, so it led to an, in an unbelievable, I mean, six year run. Probably I played world of Warcraft for, for four, four or six years. I played it straight. I'm talking every day, four or five hours a day, raiding all day on Sundays, um, ran a raiding guild called true grave, which, um, my brother and I are so proud of. Uh, and we've gotten so many real life friends based off of it. We've met so many great people through it, had real life meetups with them. It was just awesome. Built this incredible clan. And, uh, and so it was great. And so, there's these really positive memories that go along with that for me. Now, would I ever play an old version of WoW? I think I would consider it. I really do. Um, leveling would be slower. 
you know, you don't have as many fixes. Um, there's still a lot of class imbalances, like druids and 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 warlocks were just ass in the beginning, and uh, and you know, rogues were just super powerful. So I don't know. I'll have to like look at the patch notes further to see which class I would make. But I think it'd be really fun, especially playing on a PvP server where you have that world pvp still going on and uh so I, I think it would be fun to play i just don't think i'd play it continuous and i think that's how a lot of people are going to do this and you know blizzard was very they were very cautious about wanting to make these servers because i think that they feel like they're just going to be a gimmick for people and i know some people really really want this and i just don't know how much we actually want it and how much of it is in our heads but what i do love is that they're going to make them they're going to they put people on it they're going to make the servers and then we're going to be allowed to make that decision for ourselves we're not going to have blizzard make that decision and say you don't want this because they've actually literally said that there was a time on stage during one of the blizzcons where someone asked about it and the guy straight up on stage said you think you want it but believe me you don't want it and nothing you know almost like what i was saying back in the xbox talk about crossplay like i'm sick of microsoft and like in that instance blizzard telling me what i want let me discover what I want. And I'll be the first to admit, if it's all nostalgia and I start playing it and I'm like, whoo, I don't want to play this this way anymore. I got to play the new expansion with the new updates. I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, I don't know if that'll ever happen though. It seems more like, it's. it seems more like it'll be a fun thing to do. I'll play it for a bit and then I'll stop. Now, we still haven't heard, I don't think officially, if it's going to be free or if you're going to have to pay or if it's going to be included in your WoW subscription. I'm not quite sure. If it's, if it's, if you have to pay like 20 bucks, but it's not a monthly charge, I would probably check it out. If it's free, but it comes along with a monthly fee that's separate from the Blizzard account, I would probably not check it out. So I guess they're going to have to do some work uh, uh, to convince me why I would plunk down money for it if I have to. If it's just included with my WoW subscription, I actually haven't had a WoW subscription for a year or so, so I would... I would uh, get it again to do that. And that might be a way, in my opinion, to be smart for them to, to rope in the classic players, get them to play, and that might get them to keep playing the expansions as they come out and then buy the expansions and keep your community growing. Uh, Legion was an incredible pat, uh, an incredible um, expansion, though. So if, if, if you play Legion and, uh, and, and you... I mean, if you play World of Warcraft and you haven't played Legion, I think it's a good one to come back to because it was very, very good and uh, much better than, you know, they had a little bit of a rough patch, I think, with Cataclysm and with Pandaria, and uh, I wasn't really even much of a fan of Warlords of Draenor, so uh, I, Legion was excellent. Uh, I'm also not really too excited about the new one um, because I don't like it just going back to the whole uh, Azeroth fighting again. Like, it's almost like they're hitting the reset button, and, you know, I think after saving the world all these times together, we could, you know we would come together, we would end these stupid wars, but I guess the game is literally called Warcraft, so we can't, uh, you know, you can't have it all, I suppose. Um, <laughs> there's certain things where you have to just admit that, you know, it, it, it is a war game about fighting, and if you make it so that the sides don't want to war with each other, then what, what is there to do? <laughs> so, um, so that is it for the, uh, for the, for the news side of the podcast today. So we're going to, let's see, what game can we talk about today? Um, let's see here. Let me, let me bump back to this and then let, let me, um, I, I see, I gotta start doing this before the podcast. This is just a terrible idea to, <laughs> to wait, but, um, let's see here. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the Punisher. Uh, this uh, was at the uh, Capcom. 
that was at their heyday when they could do no wrong. They were kings of the 90s. They had the best beat-em-ups. They had the best arcade games. They had some of the best stuff you get anywhere. Konami and Capcom were, were the kings of the 90s, in my opinion. Um, they ruled the arcades, and uh, those ports to the home consoles were pretty darn good, too. So Punisher. Uh, so this is a two-player cooperative beat-em-up. So think Final Fight, Streets of Rage, except you get to play as either Punisher or your boy Nick Fury, who's hiding down here. Now, this is the classic Nick Fury look from a lot of the comics, the older comics, not from the Ultimate Universe where Nick Fury looks like Samuel L. Jackson, and then they got Samuel L. Jackson to play Nick Fury in the movies. Um, this one also came with a free Punisher skull tattoo in the box. Now, mine does not have a tattoo, unfortunately. This was a, uh, and my booklet's kind of curly a little bit, um, but this is a very expensive game. It, it runs for about 200 to $300. If you have the tattoo, it can boost the value by 50 to 100 bucks. Sometimes, um, you know, there's a shot at the inside of the case. Just an awesome game, though. A really good beat-em-up. I, I have this on the arcade at the store, actually. Uh, so if you ever want to come in and play it, come on in. And uh, it, it's just really good. There were six stages. Two players left for dead when his family accidentally stumbled on a mob hit. Frank Castle refused to die. Fueled by vengeance, he now wages a one-man war on the mob. A self-appointed judge, jury, and executioner, there is no escaping his verdict. The guilty must all face the Punisher. Picking up a lead on a mob front in New York, the Punisher the Punisher blast into action. <laughs> the Punisher blasts, maybe? Uh, join him and Nick Fury as they smash their way through the streets to take on New York Underworld. Pound some sense into street punks to gain information, or pick up a flamethrower and fry them into submission. That seems like a little bit of a stretch, Frank Castle. Uh, put together the clues, and if you're tough enough, you'll track down and pronounce sentence on the most notorious crime lord of them all, the Kingpin. Uh, yeah, so this is a great game. If you have not played it, uh, Punisher is, uh, dope, and, uh, I highly recommend getting it. There's the spine. Um, it's, it's expensive, though, so it does suck. Uh, if you're a loose cart collector, you'll have a much better time. I want to say it's around 60 bucks, 50, 60. Complete in box is going to beat you up on this one, but, uh, I bought this years and years and years ago because I always loved the game. I used to play the arcade game all the time, and it's just super good. So, if you ever get a chance, check that out. Um, as always, appreciate everybody for watching and listening. Again, if you're listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, please hop over to YouTube and subscribe to us on there. Go to youtube.com slash the drop rate. Uh, or, uh, you can, and you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at drop rate Greg. And, uh, and I tweet out uh, stuff from the store too. So like really cool used stuff that's coming in, uh, trade-ins, but I also tweet a little bit about the game industry as well. Uh, and then also if you get a chance, check out Jordan's content on the drop rate channel. He's doing all the let's play videos of all the new in indie games and stuff like that. Super cool. Uh, so definitely check out his content. And, uh, if you ever get a chance, if you're on Twitch, you can watch us and follow us on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash the drop rate. And every Monday night we do our, uh, our drop cast, which is, uh, the after hours, Greg. So if you like, if you like what you see here, you like the insight, but you like the occasional F bomb and a few other, um, after dark sort of comments, that's where I kind of unleash and let that go. This is my, my PG one for my store peeps. Um, but anyway, I always appreciate everyone listening and, and, and following along and, and, uh, everyone have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.